Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the West Ham Matters podcast, brought to you by westhammatters.com and powered by the Ronnie Dog Media Group. I'm your host Luke Glanville and this week I'm delighted to be joined by regular guest and West Ham World Editor-in-Chief and Founder James Jones. Good evening James, how are you? Evening Luke, very good thanks. It's a pleasure to have you on the show as always. Thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Um, So we'll we'll start as ever with current topics and we're we're speaking now on Thursday night. This will go out on, on Saturday. So just two nights after West Ham's defeat to Wolverhampton Wanderers, just how much of a disappointment was that performance and result? Uh, the whole thing is uh, really disappointing because there was a stage, wasn't there, sort of in December where it looked like, you know, we might be on a bit of an upward trend of all those mm-hmm. wins. It looked like we were going to we gonna, we gonna have a strong end sort of second half of the season, but just the turn of the year, it's been pretty terrible. And, you know, the, the worst thing about the Wolves result and the performance was the fact that it followed such a, such a poor performance and, and disgraceful performance against Wimbledon. And there was all this talk about a reaction from the likes of Noble and Antonio coming out and saying, you know, they're going to put it right at Wolves and, you know, they, they're determined to put it right and get points on the board. And, and then they turn up with a performance like that. And it's, it's really disappointing because, you know, Wolves are, are out, uh, are rivals for this seventh spot that, you know, we seem to be fighting for. Um but, you know, whenever we come up against the likes of Wolves and teams in and around us in that position, we, we don't tend to pick up any points. So, really disappointing. Mm-hmm. And especially when you consider it was the fourth opportunity of the season for West Ham to go seventh, and they ended up falling to twelfth with a, a third consecutive defeat in all competitions. Do you think that was a contender for worst performance of the season so far? Got me up there. I mean, it would take a lot to, to beat the performance against Wimbledon in terms of the worst performance, but, you know... Well, a few days later, they, they put that in. So uh, definitely out there is one of the worst Premier League performances. Um, so I don't even think that the performances in the in the four defeats at the beginning of the season um, were, were as bad as as they have been in the last couple of weeks. Because um, we were still trying to find our feet then, and we think by now, and some of the results have suggested that that they have actually sort of bought into Pellegrini's style by now, and um, you know this old big team mentality keeps banging on about, but. It, it, they're not doing it and it, it was a really really poor performance and, and they've got to start improving and of course a, a sucker punch really is it came just two days after that Wimbledon defeat you just mentioned there that was undoubtedly an even bigger disappointment wasn't it yeah it's a disgrace if I'm honest uh, I said it at my radio show on Wednesday night and uh, and, I, and I still hold that view now and it still angers me thinking about it because you know it, a lot of people We'll, we'll talk about how they've rested players and Pellegrini's rested the team. It's a weaker team, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't a weaker team. You know, you've got um, Hernandez playing, Andy Carroll playing, Noble's an experienced player. Uh, Diop's, you know, one of the uh, the most promising young centre-backs in Europe at the moment. Um, you know, every player in that team, barring Diangana, who's still a little bit you know, um, green and a little bit, little bit inexperienced, that was an experienced eleven we played. And um, not a single player out there looked like they wanted, were interested. And it was quite clear they rocked up there just expecting to win. Um, and it was it was just completely disgraceful performance. And, you know, the whole night was, was summed up by the TV cameras cutting to the bench and Pellegrini with his head in his hands after about 20 minutes. Um, and that says it all, really. Um, it, it's just, it, it shouldn't be happening. I, thought, I think a lot of fans as well thought that, 
the days of being knocked out by lower league opposition or being embarrassed in games against lower league opposition in the cup were over when we beat Macclesfield in the season 8-0. And, um, you know, you really felt that with that win, under Pellegrini especially, you know, we'd start approaching these games with a little bit more professionalism um, compared to years gone by when we've, we've walked into games like this expecting to win because we're the Premier League team and been knocked out. And it's just, it's, it's a disgrace, but also a real shame that, they, they approached the game that way and, and they deservedly got beat and got beaten well as well and Wimbledon completely deserved it. Mm-hmm. Just on the team selection for a second, do you think Pellegrini could have gone stronger considering how much the cup means to the fans, how much it should mean to him because he's never won it? I think it's the only domestic English title he's entered that he hasn't won. And, you know, the fact that West Ham aren't going to get relegated, there isn't that much to play for in the league apart from seventh place. Do you think that makes it all the more disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, again, I said this on the radio show on Wednesday night, and that, you know, football clubs these days, and, and West Ham are, are no different here, but, you know, the Cups, regardless of how much the fans, you know, want to win a trophy, that's all the fans are in it for, is winning silverware. No, no longer are football clubs in, in it for the silverware, they're in it for the money. And, you know, it, it says a lot that you get more prize money for finishing bottom of the Premier League than you do winning the FA Cup. Um, which so so what incentive is there for the football clubs? I'm talking about the owners, um, especially, uh, and, and the managers to actually go out and, and win a trophy like this, uh, like the FA Cup. The fans, obviously, they're, they're desperate. You know, West Ham fans we haven't won a trophy, a major trophy in over 30 years, and you know, it, it, the, the clubs don't clearly don't don't want it because. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pellegrini was, was, was told when he got the job that FA Cup wasn't important because as far as the club are concerned, you finish, the higher you finish in the, in the table, the more prize money you win. Um, and that, I think that's just the, the harsh reality of it, Luke, is that as much as the fans want it, the, club, the players, I mean, I can't really speak for the players, but evidence is on, on Saturday night that, that not even they really care. Uh, and the managers and the board, it's not really in it. It's not really about that anymore. So it's, it's a shame, but it's what it is. Certainly. And especially when you consider this year's competition, the fact that the likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham are out, it could have been a great opportunity to finally get that first um, that first FA Cup since 1980, couldn't it? It's a perfect, it's a perfect opportunity. Um, and obviously, we weren't to know how that draw was going to was going to pan out we weren't to know that Tottenham were going to go out the next day and stuff like that but we would have already known that Arsenal were out that Liverpool were out and so then going you know and, and Everton went out early on in the day as well um, and you look at it and go well you know those four those four clubs are out those four clubs are probably you know the real threats to, to our chances of winning they're, they're all out now um, and it's a huge, huge opportunity, given that in the next um, the fifth round draw also goes would have gone in our favour, um, barring the fact that we probably would have drawn Millwall, which would have been a big, complete disaster PR-wise for the club. Mm-hmm. But um, And part of me thinks we might have dodged a bullet there, to be fair, but um, that's, a, that's a story for another day. But um, it, it's a huge... That, that's why I think a lot of the fans are so angry and upset about the way it's happened, because it was a perfect opportunity for us, and we've blown it again. And, of course, after the game, there was something, another thing that upset some fans a little bit as well. I know yourself included the announcement about Marko Arnautovic's bizarre yeah. contract extension, which I think only extends his contract by a day or two, but, of course, keeps him at the end of the club, in theory, until the end of the season. 
that was obviously meant to be a compliment, wasn't it, to um, a place in the next round of the FA Cup and it, it panned out so disastrously PR-wise, didn't it? It was a huge PR blunder and it was obvious that they scheduled it in for, for five minutes after mm-hmm. the game or ten minutes after whenever it came through. But uh, if you schedule something, then you're able to undo that before it goes live. Uh, and for some reason, they still thought it was the right thing to do to let that go live. Um, they could have just pulled that and put it out a couple of days later and no one would have known any different. Um, so for, for them to allow that to go out after what had happened, I think, um, again, just added the to the sheer embarrassment and, and the disgraceful even that it was. And, you know, and you can just imagine the media team there you know, rushing to, to remove the quotes in his interview on the website of, of, of him, you know, hoping to fire us to to the cup final after he'd been, been, been knocked out and then still putting it out after that. So, because there would have been quotes from him uh, talking about a cup run in that interview yeah. uh, and they would have had to pull those. So it, it's just, it was just, an, it's just another PR blunder from the club. Again, after we thought that, you know, we might see in the back of that after the, the summer that we saw with the, the right decisions being made in terms of recruitment, uh, David Sullivan seemingly taking a, a back step. I'm not saying Sullivan was involved in the whole one out of its announcement. Um, he may have been, I don't know. But, you know, uh, the thing that really annoyed me the most about the whole one out of its thing was he came out the night before that Wimbledon game saying he wanted to help us try and get as far as we can in the cup. But then he wasn't even involved no. in, in the cup game. And then five minutes after five minutes after the full-time whistle, we find out he's got a contract extension. Um so again, it, it's just a completely ridiculous thing to happen, and it could have been stopped. It, it didn't happen. It didn't need to do it like that. Um, and I think it, very, very naive um, and arrogant of the club to to, to allow that, that sort of stuff to happen. And the the whole Anatovic saga as a whole now seems very pointless. If if you think about, and we don't want to make excuses, but we have to really. If you think about the effect it's had on both the harmony in the dressing room, the fan base, and actually the results on the pitch. And in the end, he's, he's ended up staying. It, it seems like it's it's just another embarrassment, really, isn't it? Well, it's, it's disrupted our season, Luke, you know. Before Christmas, we were you know, we were on, I think, one defeat in eight or one defeat in nine, and we, yeah. we were flying. We were coming into the new year, feeling uh, like feeling we could beat anybody. Then we went and beat Arsenal, and we thought, hey, you know, this is becoming quite a good season for us. And then the on out of its rumours start. He, he tries pushing him away. His brother pipes up in the media, and, and suddenly it all falls apart. And you know, I've got a lot of respect for what Zabaleta said in, in the media after after the Wolves game. Um, and when someone as experienced as Zabaleta comes out and admits that the whole thing disrupted the harmony in the dressing room uh, and left a bit of a bad taste in a lot of players' mouths, then you know that shows that something isn't right. You know, behind the closed doors. I mean, we're talking about a player here that's won everything there is to win in England mm-hmm. um, with, with Man City and you know, a player with that sort of experience to come out and say something like that in, in public says says all you need to know about what's going on in that dressing room and how the players, how a lot of the players feel uh, about the way Arnautovic and his brother um, has dealt with the situation and um, it's disrupted everything and I think you know, he, now Arnautovic owes it to the fans uh, and I use it to the football club as well, but the fans more more than anything to actually give 120% in every game he plays with team now and the end of the season to score as many goals as we possibly can and ensure that we do finish in at least the top 10. Because if we don't, he'll be the full guy and deservedly so. Overall, 
However, are you are you glad that he's staying, or after the whole saga, would you have rather seen him go now and West Ham perhaps be able to get Maxi Gomez in this window and not have to wait until potentially the summer? It's a difficult one because January is always a difficult month to to buy anyone of note, anyone who can come in and make an immediate impact. Um, you know, we saw it last season with the likes of Jordan Hugel, who who came in with a lot of expectation, despite a lot of people wondering who he was. Um, spent a lot of money on him, and and, and he didn't. He, he, after three games, you know, he just didn't. It, it was clear he wasn't up to it. Um, Joe Mario took some time to get going. You know, in the past, we've signed a number of players in January that just really failed to live up to expectation. Because in January, there's a lot more expectation on players, particularly strikers. Um, so you could look at it that you know we. It's probably a good thing that we've kept on outreach because at least then we're not replacing him with a player that. Um, has got to hit the ground running uh, and may struggle and then leave us in the lurch. Um, but at the same time, selling him may have been a good thing just to get rid of the bad atmosphere in the dressing room because we have proven this season that we can score goals without Arnautovic in the team. So a lot of people that say that we rely heavily on Arnautovic, you know, they clearly haven't seen seen a lot of West Ham this season because in that four-match winning run, Arnautovic got injured. Yeah, I, uh, I think he only featured for around, uh, I think, a one, half of that those four games? Yeah, and I, it was he limped off in the first half against... Uh, um, Cardiff, wasn't it? Cardiff, and then yeah, after Perez that, replaced went, him and scored two. <laughs> yeah, scored, we ended up scoring nine goals without him in the team in over the next three games. So that says all you need to know about how you know we can score goals without him in the team. And perhaps selling him would have got rid of that bad atmosphere, fresh start, get rid of the bad egg. Um, but at the same time, replacing him would have been quite difficult. So it's... It, it, it's very hard to look back and uh, and go, oh, we should or we shouldn't have sold him, you know. It's just, you know, he, he's still at the football club, he's going to stay at the football club and um, hopefully we can get a nice a nice fee for him in the summer because I don't see him staying beyond the summer. And also, it, it looks like it's good news for him on the injury front that he could even make the Liverpool game after hobbling off at Molyneux when it looked like that could be his season. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you see him limp off and just think oh that's just typical that is you know and you know he wasn't even making you know he might have not been on the pitch anyway he didn't make any impact at all in that game um nor did any other players to be fair but of all the players when he just didn't look interested um which surprised me given what had happened uh, and what he said in that that silly video that they put up on on twitter of him saying how, how he's staying and, and all that but you know it, it's good that he's not going to miss a lot of the a lot of the season, hopefully, because at the end of the day, if we're going to still get 40, 45 million quid for him in the summer, we need him to be playing every week and scoring goals every week, because otherwise we're not going to get that money. Um, and I think the reason why they gave him that contract extension was to ensure that when it gets to the summer, we can still demand that kind of fee for him. Um, but you can't demand that fee for him if he spends three months on the sidelines or he doesn't play well and doesn't score goals between now and the end of the season. So it's a big gamble from the club. But, you know, I think we're... We can only be better off with him in the team, regardless of us proving that we can score without him. I think, I mean, on his day, he's unplayable, isn't he? So, hundred percent. Moving on, as we speak, it's twenty past eight on deadline day. There are around two hours and forty minutes of the January transfer window left, and as expected, really, it's been a very quiet deadline day so far, hasn't it? And it doesn't really look like it's going to change before the eleven p.m. deadline, does it? No, I mean. I think I think we all expected this. It's, it's frustrating again. It's another frustrating thing to happen because there are there are so many areas in the squad that need strengthening. 
uh, it frustrates me that it seems that all we're after at the moment is a striker. Um, when we, we desperately need a left back, we desperately need more numbers in the middle of the park to, to help Rice and, and Mobile out and Snodgrass out. Um, but it seems that all, all we've been linked with is strikers, and we might get one or two loan deals over the line um, by the time people listen to this. We, you know, we'll know whether we have or not. But you know, it'd be nice to get one or two players in just to just to add to the numbers because our injury our injuries are still you know still was it eight or nine first team players out. Mm-hmm. Um, Lanzini's back shortly, which will, which will help. But you know, you can't just rely on Lanzini coming back and making things brilliant again. You know, so it's disappointing that they haven't. All they've done is bring Nashri in. Although Nashri has been a positive addition to the team, um, I, I really, really wanted to see us bring in a left back, and perhaps you know, perhaps even a right back. Although Fredericks is back, so but a left back should have been priority, given how poor Masaraku is. Mm-hmm. As we um, as we speak, just the two outgoing loans for West Ham on deadline day so far. Reece Oxford going to Augsburg and young striker Oladapo Afaloyan going to Oldham until the end of the season. So as we look back on the window now briefly, who should West Ham have signed and who should West Ham have let go, James? I don't think we should have let anyone go, barring you know, Reece Oxford, um, who I'm um, disappointed we haven't sold him really, just get rid of him. Mm. Uh, He's not going to play for the club again. He never was going to play for the club again. It was clear that he wasn't. Um, otherwise, he'd have been in the team by now. Um, in terms of signing, I would have liked to have seen us get the Maxi Gomez deal over the line and then, and then perhaps loan him back. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that assurance, wouldn't it? Because I don't think... I mean, if we go back in the summer, we won't get him. He'll end up at Barcelona or another big club because, you know, we're led to believe that he is being touted by some of the big European clubs. Um, and I, I do commend Silvigo in, in not buckling under the pressure on that front and actually going, no, you know, we want to keep this guy because we're in a relegation battle and I, you know, I, I respect them for that. Um, in, terms of, in terms of other additions, you know, it's difficult to say in January, as I've already said, you know, it's a difficult market. Um, there isn't one player out there other than, you know, some of the players we've already been linked with that I would have gone, yeah, you know, I really want us to go and target that player. Um, and I said we wanted a left, I wanted, I wanted to see us on a left bank, but it wasn't, there's not really a left back out there that, I've, that seemed available. Um, but you'd like us to think we at least try and get left back, which I don't think we have done. Um, but in terms of outgoings, I don't think we could really afford to let anyone uh, anyone go, given our injury crisis. Um, if the injuries weren't that bad, I would have thought Obiang would have left by now, um, and perhaps even Antonio. But Antonio's playing well as well, so it's, it's been one of those windows, isn't it, where a lot's been said, but nothing's really happened, and that kind of sums up West Ham in transfer windows, doesn't it? Yep, especially in January. Yes, exactly. But um, in all fairness, it's it's such a tricky one, the January transfer window. Um, I think we've, we've pretty much covered everything, which means we can move on to the fun part of the show. Um, so often, James, I've invited you onto the show and then given you a quiz at the end. And that's yeah. been um, that's been you against me, basically, because I've I've wanted to, to catch you out. And um, but but you've you've tend you, you've tended to perform quite well in these quizzes. So today we're going to work together in doing a quiz um, courtesy of sporacle.com and because West Ham um, have only the Premier League to focus on till the end of the season we're going to have got naming all the top 31 West Ham Premier League scorers um, and we've got 10 minutes to do so how how confident are you feeling James? Yeah I'm quite confident at that Okay then right um, we're underway so Carlton right, Cole's got to be in there hasn't he? Carlton Cole the Canningo is the top one. Yep. We've got Trevor Sinclair. 
Yeah, we got Joe Cole for putting Cole as well, yeah. which was a bit of a bonus. Sinclair. Uh, Sacco got quite a few, didn't he? Yep, Sacco's in there with 18. Carroll. Defoe. Yeah, um, yeah, with 18. Frank Lampard. Lampard. Yep, Lampard in there with 23. Nolan. Nolan's up there with 18, same as Sacco. Julian Dix. Uh, Dix, yep, in there with 21. We've got Lanzini there as well with 19. Tony Cotty. Yep, Cotty in there with 23. On Artovich is probably in there, isn't he? Yeah, he's got to be. Let's just um, double check that. Yep, in there is 16. Uh, Would Noble ooh. be in there? Yep, yeah, 37. Yeah, he'll be quite high. Um, who else is there? Matty Evrington? No, he's not, actually. Bobby Zamora? Zamora. Harewood will probably be in there as well. Let's try Harewood. Yep, Harewood in there is 17. Um, Rio, Rio Coker in there? Mm. No, he's not. Okay. Ashton's got got to be in there. Yeah, yeah. 15, although it should have been many, many more. Should have been more. Um, oh, yeah, this is a good one, Luke. Uh, we've got 17 out of 33. 33, it's going to be us now. Yep, 17 out of 33. We've got 8 minutes left, so it's been a good start. What's the lowest number? Do we know? There's five players who have nine... Premier League goals for West Ham. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Winston Reading now. I'm sure he's got nine. No, he's not, unfortunately. A bit down to be a defender in there somewhere. Yeah. James Collins, maybe? Oh, Jimmy Collins, yeah. No, unfortunately not. Oh, no. Um, so, we've got uh, someone who has scored 29 goals who we haven't got yet. 24, a 22, an 18... Uh, 13, three twelves, two elevens, a ten, and five nines. Is Bellamy in there? No, he's not. Interestingly, mm, this is difficult, Luke. Yeah, no, <laughs> no the well, pressure. One twenty-nine. Ah, oh, who who could that be? Mark with the M five. No, unfortunately not. Mm. Yeah, this is very difficult. This one. Um, twenty-nine. 29 goals. Joe Cole. Oh, we've already got him, haven't we? Yeah, we've already got um, Joey Cole. What about Rio Ferdinand? No. Yossi Ben Ayu. No, unfortunately not. Surely. Ben Ayu, surely. <laughs> uh, uh, we've, got, we've got to think about strikers here. Um, the thing is, we're, we're, none of our strikers have ever scored goals for us. Hold on. Here's a shout. How about Hernandez? Yes. Yeah, Hernandez has 12. I'm trying to the current squad. Um, Antonio. Yeah, Antonio's got 22 Premier League goals. Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah. Right, we've, we've, um, we've got back going here now. 19 out of 33. Still, that one over 29 is going to bug me. Yeah, it's going to, it's definitely, it's going to be a few obvious ones that, that we miss for sure. Um, Scott Parker. Just trying sharing them, um, but yeah, Parker's probably in there. I'll try him now. Yes, Scott Parker's one of the nines. Is End of Valencia in there? Um, unfortunately not. Uh, trying to think of who's in the current squad that would have scored at least nine. Difficult, haven't it? Um, oh, was Anderson 
got nine. Or is it eight? Ah, oh, no. It's not on there. No. Pyet? Pyet, yeah. yeah. Could we forget Pyet? <laughs> We've still got plenty of time. We've only got 11 names to get. Right, okay. Um, 29 goals. It's going to really bug me, Luke. Who scored 29 goals in the Premier League for West Ham? It's got to mean Premier League era, hasn't it? And not not first division in general. Yeah. Uh, oh, Dave Kitson. Yeah. Um, in there with 18, Paul Kitson. Paul Kitson, not Dave Kitson. <laughs> Kitson played for Reading, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, got Bobby Zamora, haven't we? Yeah, we've got Zamora. Um, I was trying to think of a few of those odd strikers we used to have. Maybe Dimmer Cayley might be a shout. Andre Ayew. Are you yes nine? Are you in there with nine? What a um, club record signing he turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, Ten short with three minutes and thirty seconds left. This is difficult. Twenty nine goals. We've got twenty four left as well. That's, oh, I don't think we're going to do this. I was, I was feeling very confident about this, but as soon as we got going. That changed. 29 goals. It's got to be someone. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of who played in the in the early... Oh, Trevor Morley. Try Trevor Morley. Yeah, Trevor Morley's in there. 13, we try Ian Bishop as well. But he's not in there. Um, so we've got nine left to get. Got Coate. Oh, didn't actually. Try Cresswell as well, but I don't think he's quite got that many, no. Nah. He hasn't. Ian, Ian Wright. Yep, Ian Wright in there with nine, which means we've only got seven left to get in, in just over two minutes. This could go down to the wire. Yes, he was the 29. <laughs> I can't believe he scored that many goals. <laughs> um, who else have we got? Harewood. Oh, we've got Harewood, haven't we? Yeah, we've got Harewood. Oh, oh Berkovich. Uh, I just got... I just got uh, Steve Lomas, I thought I'd try then, and we got it. And Berkovic in there with 10, which means we've got four left. Um, <laughs> nine, an 11, a 12, and a 24. How about one shot? Yes, one shot with um, 12, which means we've got three left, a nine, an 11, and, and the 24. Just over a minute. <laughs> oh. uh, we've got Lampard in there? Yeah, we've got Lampard. John Hartson? Hartson was a 24, so we've got an 11 and a 9. Oh, oh God. Martin Allen? Going way back here now. Ah, yes. He, he was the other 9. Who who was the other player to score 11 goals for West Ham alongside Dimitri Pite? 50 seconds. Bound to be a midfielder, isn't it? Yeah, surely. Maybe Downing? Downing's a shout. Ah, oh, it's not Downing. It's not Downing. I'm just clutching at straws now. I'm going to try Matt Taylor. No. Not Elan. Not Mido. <laughs> Definitely not Mido. <laughs> what not... about what about Don Hutchinson? Oh. Hutchinson. Yes! Yes. Is that 30... as complete? Yes. 33 out of 33. Wow. Pretty good go in that. With um, 15 seconds left on the clock. We probably said about 200 names there, though, to be fair. Yeah. But... We did it, and the average score is fifty percent. So it it means we're two times better than everyone else. So not bad going, not bad. Incredible. Some surprising names on there for sure. 
Yeah, it just goes to show how rubbish some of our team, team, teams have been over the years. Yeah, right. it's, it's quite impressive. Um, some of them quite impressive. I mean, for, um, for Antonio to have scored 22 in, in those few seasons, I mean, we berate him so, so much, albeit he's been better lately. He has scored a fair few goals. And Sacco in there with 18. Nolan, 18 as well. Um, Kiarte, 12. Yeah, yes. Yeah, what surprised me was Canute scoring so many goals for us. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. And of course, Carlton Cole, the legend that is, with 40, West Ham's um, third highest Premier League goal scorer. Boy, what a hero. You've, you've got a fancy um, Noble's chances of going past De Canio. I mean, he's only 10 away. Yeah, but... It, West Ham get 10 penalties. He needs 10 penalties, yeah. And we don't really get penalties, and, do No, but... Um, he does pull the odd screamer out of the hat, doesn't he, Noble? So, yeah, once every five years. Yes, <laughs> another thirty years so, <laughs> to, yeah. to get overtake. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll have to wait and see about that one. So, thirty-three out of thirty-three, and we we very much hope that West Ham will be as successful in what remains of the Premier League season. It's a it's a nice note to end on. As ever, James, if if anyone listening wants to um, follow you on Twitter or West Ham World or um, read any of your stuff where can they find you catch me on Twitter my, my personal account which is at by James Jones um, and you can listen to my radio show every Wednesday night on Love Sport Radio West Ham an hour and a half of West Ham chat normally involves me moaning <laughs> an hour and a half but yeah do tune in for that every Wednesday night um, yeah then you know follow us on, on Twitter at West Ham World as well fantastic well thank you very much for coming on James it's been a, a good episode despite all of the negative chat no thanks for inviting me on and thank you for listening to the West Ham Matters podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. Goodbye for now.